As I was closing up for the night, I thought about all the movies that had been discussed in the spoiler room. That was when the temperature in the room changed. I went to the thermostat and it said it was 52 degrees KB. Suddenly I found myself in a maze of movie posters. No matter what direction I went, each path led me back to one actor, Kevin Bacon. That was when it was clear what I had to do. When I snapped out of it, I added bacon to the menu. 2020 was going to be an interesting year in the spoiler room. It is the spoiler room. Thank you, folks, for venturing down the virtual stairs, pulling up a chair next to us to talk movies and movie spoilers. And I've got a great crew tonight because we've got another Kevin Bacon film. It has been 52 degrees KB all year. In the spoiler room, we are down to the last month. People will say, but Mark, you have like five, four or five numbers to go. You're only on number 47. Trust me, folks, we got one more Kevin Bacon in the hopper. But tonight, <laughs> up on the frying pan is the 2015 movie Cop Car. And with me tonight to discuss this interesting Kevin Bacon film is uh, two wonderful crew members who are taking time out of their busy schedules to talk with us. First off, it is the man who has taken this journey with me uh, for whatever reason. Uh, he is back with us once more. It is Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello. Hey, good evening. So glad you could be here once again to talk more bacon. Uh, this one was definitely different than the Woodsman, so we're okay there. We're we're we're, we're okay there. And but yeah, but his mustache was about as creepy as anything in that in that movie. It, it, well, it needed its own credit for sure. And also with us tonight, he's back with us once again, Mister Gonzorific himself, the lovely. Andrew Shearer. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Welcome back to the spoiler room, sir. I'm fine. Thank you for having me, sir. <laughs> this bacony smelling evening we're enjoying <laughs> together. It's a it's a bacon suit. We should be wearing a bacon suit. Mm. I don't even know what that would be, man. I, I don't know. Would it be the suit coat or would it be like a three piece bacon suit? Oh no! It would be very small. It'd be very <laughs> just. It would piece. be just a bit of bacon. It'd, it'd just, just be a, a it'd just be a piece of Canadian bacon over the certain bit. There you it go. It would be. It'd, it'd be it'd be like a Adam like the the leaf for Adam and Eve. Only it'd be Canadian bacon. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's how I would do it. That's you know. There you go. <laughs> I eat bacon every day, but this may be the last. <laughs> We've ruined bacon. You can't ruin bacon. There's no ruining. Um, you're making fun of that fellow's name, incidentally. No, nah, I am not making fun of them. We're talking bacon and not Kevin <laughs> I'm, Bacon. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing near you, sir. I'm laughing near you. No, it is. Uh, well, if you watch Kevin Bacon's Twitter sweet stream, he makes a fun joke about the fact that people keep sending him pig figurines and pig memorabilia. And he goes, why would people be sending me this? And you know, and how so, do I get Kevin Bacon's mailing address? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right to Kevin Bacon, care of Pepperidge Farms. <laughs> but we do, we do appreciate Kevin Bacon, and tonight is definitely uh, one of those films where, yeah, uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion to uh, where it's called Cop Car 2015, and it's it. I guess you could classify it as a true independent 
film uh, in, in many ways, the way it produced and everything. But uh, tonight, I think we'll give Mr. Ian Simmons the floor. Go ahead and uh, give the synopsis of uh, Cop Car. This will be really easy. Uh, right? two, two runaway boys of about age 9 or 10 uh, stumble across a cop car in, the, in an abandoned field, and they decide to take it and go on a little journey down some backcountry roads. And on this journey, the cop car comes to life and befriends both children and takes them <laughs> on a series of adventures. His name's Kit. No, um, but no, I, but Kevin Bacon plays. This is where it's going to get interesting. I can't wait to talk to you guys about this movie, but I'm just going to say that he plays the sheriff. He plays the person who ostensibly owns this cop car, uh, and he needs to get this car back from these kids, not just because it's embarrassing that a sheriff leaves his cop car with the keys in the seat and the doors open in the middle of the in the middle of the country for someone to find, uh, but for other reasons uh, concerning things that he has in the trunk. Um, and yeah, that's that's essentially the plot of the movie. And it's not like this long, drawn out several days of, you know, trying to you know, pursue these kids. It all takes place in the course of an afternoon. Very small cast. Um, there's violence and disturbing behavior from a lot of people. And that's about it before getting into spoilers. But <laughs> I was very surprised that this thing is an hour and a half. In some ways, there are stretches of it that feel like six hours. But when you look at the overall story, it's you, you, this very well could have been a short film. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that's not, that's not necessarily a criticism. It's just mm -mm. that you go into expect, it's a universal picture with, you know, <laughs> Kevin Bacon and you kind of expect like, Oh, this is going to be a big thing. It is probably the most intimate, uh, big studio release I can think of in a long time. Yeah. And, and that's why I said, this is, almost feels like a true indie because it's a small cast, limited location, you know, small budget. The story is, is pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. Andrew, what'd you feel? How'd you feel when you first saw a cop car? Oh man. Well, I forgot about the universal thing. I saw it at a, in an art house theater. I don't mm -hmm. know how many like big theaters it went to, but it didn't go to the multiplex in Athens. It went, just played the art house theater. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I uh, I love the concept. I wanted to see it. Like I I went to the early morning critic screening before it came out, and um, I knew the director uh, because I'd seen this movie Clown that he made about a. It's about this dad that puts on a clown suit for a party and he can't take it off because it's like <laughs> evil or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of those like small setting, weird as hell. So I'm like, all right, well, this guy made a horror movie. I thought it was a good concept. So I was thinking some, something was gonna happen, you know. And I think Kevin Bacon looks like a fiend anyway. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, I dug it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, who, who would not want to see, you know, those kids doing that, you know, I mean, it was, it was very intriguing. Well, it, it's funny because it's only one breath away from being a happy family comedy type romp where two kids steal a cop car and Kevin right, isn't that seen in some movies already like yeah kids stealing a uh, or like you know driving a car right like oh, yeah. kids that aren't old that's a staple right right and that's the thing is if you look at it from that angle you're like this is only one skip you know one step away from being and kevin bacon goes on a hilarious romp as he tries to retrieve his sheriff car without being embarrassed by others in the department watch yeah the but kids. you're in the hands of the, the clown guy right 
right which i saw that movie the cloud that's a just i totally yeah there were a few that were out around that time Mm -hmm. kind of but that was the only one i liked yeah i know i remember that one uh john watts uh directed yeah and that and you know what he went on to do right after this movie hmm the Spider-Man's the Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. that's right. Homecoming and Far From Home and the unnamed uh third th- one. second sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, man. That's that's crazy. I I I, I didn't Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, it, it, it's it's part of the course with Marvel. They like they like take they like finding these indie directors who tend to make really weird smaller movies. I mean, look at James Gunn, yeah, and even these multi-hundred million dollar comic book movies uh, to to test out. Didn't uh, Jurassic do that too? Uh, or or yeah. one of the Star Wars or something like that? Well, uh, that was uh, Colin Trevorrow was initially attached to do. I think it was like the second. Mm-hmm. Is either Jurassic World or the second one? But I think they got replaced. I I could be getting something wrong in there. I know he was attached to it, but I it think just, he got. Yeah, it seemed out. like a thing of everybody doing. It was Rogue One. Yeah. And well, actually, but, I mean, if you think about it, uh, Sony actually set it the stage earlier. I think they. I think Marvel took a hint from Sony because they pulled. Sam Ra- they they Raimi to do a Spider-Man film, and he ends up making one of the best superhero films with Spider-Man Two. And they're like Dark Man, right? And, and he did he did Dark Man, but I mean Darkman. 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 Yeah. <laughs> William Darkman. Yes. <laughs> uh but it that's a trend with especially superhero films where they're pulling, like you said, pulling from uh, these indie filmmakers, these talented guys who normally work on limited budget and here you go, here's a shit ton of money, and here's a licensed property. Go for it. And did I derail this shit into like no, nerds? No, 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 not no, at all. Make sure it, it wasn't my fault. No, sorry. not at all. No, it's it's a it's a fascinating conversation because I think it's important to one of the big issues I have with the movie, which is tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but just before we get back onto it, uh, there's precedent even back before Mr. Uh, Ramey, it's just Mr. Jackson. Yes. Uh, with the Lord of the Rings and before yeah. that, Frighteners. And before that, he was making this weird indie Kiwi puppet shit. Um, and that, that's not a critique either. Um, but... Part of it could just be a financial decision. Like, yeah, yeah we could play, we could pay Steven Spielberg twenty five million dollars to direct, you know, the Avengers, or we could get the guy who made Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, you know, that kind of a thing. Hey, I I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No, <laughs> I, I, again, I. <laughs> No, I get what you're saying. No, you're right. I mean, I just, I always chuckled. Uh, we're not too far off, but I always chuckle when you see Peter Jackson did Lord of the Rings and people go, wow, I'd love to look up his early works. And I'm just like, hey, 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 go. You should do a box set, man. Where's that box set? <laughs> Lord of the Rings and <laughs> Meet the Feeble. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. There you go. It'll happen. It'll it'll happen definitely. But moving back, yes, a director he'd go on to do the the Spider Man films, uh, and he's doing this one. And we have Kevin Bacon, as you guys, as we mentioned, with the mustache. And uh, doing this series, we I've discovered that Kevin Bacon's done a lot more darker roles than I thought he did. Uh, <laughs> but Ian and Andrew, you've been on a number of these episodes over the year. And uh, the bacon episodes, and he, but he does it well. And this one, you know, he even is doing a different voice 
in this one, wasn't he, Andrew? I mean, you, there's parts where you can hear the Kevin Bacon voice, but it seems like he's even trying to do a little bit of different voice with this one. Yeah, he's he's doing like the good old boy, you know, the redneck, you know, meth head <laughs> piece of shit cop that we know well here in Georgia. <laughs> So, so he was pretty spot on in his uh, in his portrayal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they don't look like that, yeah. but pretty much, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, it's just a different way of. Okay, I better stop. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, he doesn't want to get stopped on the road and suddenly. No, I, I already, <laughs> I already got that problem, so I'm not trying to exacerbate that. Well, they won't. They probably won't watch this, Andrew. So I think you're you're okay here, but. You say that. <laughs> That's true. This is very true. And then he can Googling me while they got the me. Uh, Georgia State Police. No, uh, yeah, they got me pulled over trying to get me from something, and they start Googling. Oh, oh cop car. <laughs> uh, Ian, what about you, sir? And uh, uh, Mr. Bacon's role in this. He really uh, throws himself into it like we've seen in every role, but especially his voice. I was surprised because a lot of times his voice is very familiar, but this one he even covers it up. I'm sorry. I was thinking about bacon rolls. Oh, that's okay. um, <laughs> but no. I uh, I agree. He was he was very good in this movie. He's. I, I'm trying to think. You know, during this whole series, I have yet to see a bad Kevin Bacon performance, even mm-hmm. in movies. And and most of the time, I think we agree that he's in really solid films, even ones that make our skin crawl. Yeah. Uh, this was no exception. More than the voice, I was. I don't know if this is a feat of makeup or if he was able to manipulate his features through diet or what but there were some scenes where he looks like a corpse um he's got like this pasty quality to it and and these like glassed but still very intense eyes going back to that you know probably a drug abuser kind of thing plus very desperate uh trying to cover up his tracks but when he's interacting with these young boys towards the particularly towards the end of the movie he's looking through the window of the cop car into the back seat it's frightening because he looks like he has come back from the dead uh (laughs) to to take vengeance on this guy who's you know done him wrong or he did wrong and is trying to cover things up uh yeah very interesting his voice is you know i like it I really didn't like it at the very end where mm-hmm. there's a big nighttime chase scene and all of a sudden it becomes Joyride 4. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of felt like uh, they weren't quite sure where to end it. Um, you're right about his looks, though. I mean, he he looks a little gaunt. He looks, But I think that's on purpose because he, he's, he's a bad guy in this. I mean, he's the sheriff, but he's a bad guy. And... What I liked about the script is that it's a lean script. You're right, it could be a short film, but what I really like is that it doesn't... You don't get a lot of exposition of him calling drug dealers or him do, You know, but you can piece together what type of sheriff, in quotes, he is just from the actions and the way they direct him and the way he is performed by Kevin Bacon, you get the idea and you can piece together why he has this one guy in the trunk, why he's burying a body and, you know, why he's panicking that someone took his car without exposition of, oh man, they took my car. I hope they don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Cause we get, we do get films that hold your hand and in this one, it doesn't really hold your hand on it. I didn't think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we don't 
find out what the deal was specifically with the people that were in the trunk, one of whom is dead and one of whom is still alive. Um, it isn't until really that he starts talking to the dispatcher and you hear the other you know, cops radioing in when they change the frequency that you really understand that he is a member of law enforcement because there is a part of me that thinks, all right, maybe he stole the identity of this cop uh, to right. do something bad. Uh, but no, it turns out he's legit, which is fun. And it's nice to see these little nuggets kind of unfold. And, and like you said, Mark, not have my hand held because there's still a lot of mystery at the end of the film, including what happens to the kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we're definitely going to get to the kids. But uh, yeah, I, I, Andrew, did you feel too? Did you like the fact you're not really handheld to what is happening, but yet you can piece together what's going on? Uh, you know me, man. I'm not a figure it out guy when I'm looking at a movie. Oh, sure. I, I'm just like, let me see some return on investment about mm -hmm. this, whatever information they give me, you know. Right. I just really like seeing them kids, you know, cut loose in the car and. You know, when they will play with the gun, you're like, oh, my God, they really he was good at, at making those little tense moments of very little ingredients, you know? Yeah. And I'm glad you brought it up, Andrew, because that's what I wanted to talk about as well as the kids. Andrew, would you say I this is like one of the most realistic portrayal of kids I've seen because I'm watching this going. Yeah, that's a kid doing dumb stuff. They, I could totally see these kids in a small town doing this exact stuff it's not like just for the sake of the plot i mean how'd you feel with them oh yeah man i mean they they really do a great job also with the economy of story like showing you that there's nothing where they live mm -hmm. it's just all this like flat nothing you know and they're talking about how many miles do you think we walked he's like 50 because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does it matter right they're just out there in the fields and stuff and so that's where kids would get into trouble, man, with nothing to do like that, living somewhere like that, I would imagine. And so the way the movie starts off, they're just saying cuss words. Like yeah. he's he's saying cuss words and his homies just saying them like back to him and stuff. And they're carrying sticks. Yeah. Like that must be I'm going to take their word for it. That must somebody does that, you know? Well, it, I yeah. mean, and plus, you got to be a rube to think <laughs> getting up in a cop car is an OK idea. <laughs> Or white, I guess, because, you know, how <laughs> realistically, how short would this movie have been if they weren't? If they weren't, yeah, they'd be like, nope. <laughs> like, okay, there's police. You just see a police car, you go the other way. That's just instant. Yeah, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go check it out, Bobby. But, I mean, these kids throughout this entire film, I never felt like they were, you know, exaggerated kids for the sake of plot. They felt real ian did you feel that they were real no this is where i'm gonna part ways with you guys no. um that was my biggest problem with the movie was the kids i think the actors were terrific mm -hmm. um i just the problem is at no point did i think they acted like realistic children in that they make the cringy dumb bad let's get a reaction from the audience decision at every turn they you know, they're supposed to be nine, 10 years old. I'm not exactly sure when this film is set because they are in the middle of nowhere. The only indication that it might not be 2015 is that Kevin Bacon is using a flip phone, uh, <laughs> which, which, which no, seriously, which yeah. suggests something that could have been it could be contemporary mm -hmm. or it could have been 10 years you know, before that. And that doesn't necessarily matter, except in the context of what culture do these kids grow up in? Uh, because 
you know, when I was growing up in the 80s, there was all sorts of television and media and music to tell me, suggest how to navigate the world. And that does not involve looking down the barrel of a gun. It does not involve, hey, what's this? Like they've never seen defibrillator paddles before. On any television, <laughs> the only if the only thing you know about defibrillator paddles is that they bring people back to life by shocking them and that you have to yell clear to get out of the way. You don't just put them on your body and like, oh, there's a there's a half second of dramatic tension where he's about to press the button. What's going to happen before his friend interrupts him? I didn't buy these kids for a second. Um, I I didn't like seeing them play around the car because I felt like this is something that belongs in a kid's comedy. And Mm -hmm. I think the film finds its voice later on, but in the early parts, it almost plays like a comedy. Like they steal this cop car, they're driving around, they're testing out the the lights and the speed and all that stuff. And the one kid's like, you know, go faster. It's like, I am going fast. And you cut to the speedometer. It's like, oh, it's $30. Mm -hmm. But but then you cut to Kevin Bacon doing this wily coyote dash through the country, like, oh, got to go get somewhere to catch up with these kids. And he's panting and everything. There's no uh, indication of the we get a sense of the danger that he's in because we just see him dispose of the body, but there's this constant cutting back into uh, while say very light comedy, or at least the borderline. So I was never quite really sure where I was with these kids. Uh, When the adults really start showing up and putting them in danger and they realize the kind of situation they're in, then things get a little bit easier to take. Uh, But no, I, I didn't believe these kids for a second. Um, (laughs) But I did like the performances. So that's why I'm kind of conflicted. Okay, Andrew and Ian, fight. No. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> oh, Andrew, by the way, uh, Astro Radio Z has uh, joined us, and he says, hello, Andrew. So, uh, Oh, well, hello to you, Astro Radio Z. <laughs> <laughs> Here, and uh, I, I get what you're going, f- uh, what you're saying, Ian. Uh, and unfortunately, in my childhood, I've known these exact kids that were in the cop car <laughs> in my childhood. Okay. Uh, I, in all honesty, I, I that I, I get where you're coming from. It, it it is unbelievable that they may have not have seen it. At the same time, in in my youth when I was quite younger, especially coming to Central Wisconsin to visit um, relatives, and that I know kids who would have done stuff like this. Maybe not necessarily the the paddles. But the let's put a bulletproof vest on and shoot ourselves uh, with a gun. I well, I, no, I, I knew kids sure. like that. I, here's well, here's the thing, because mm. like, I, I want to kind of get into this. Yeah. Um, do you know kids who actually did that kind of stuff or you just suspect because they were kind of dumb that they would have done that kind of stuff? Because that's two different things, you know, because a kid playing with guns is one thing, but actually getting hold of a gun. And on top of that, those kids being able to wield these, you know, guns, y- you could tell that they're props because those th- <laughs> they would have knocked them over, first of all. Um, and on also the, the bulletproof vest. But the other, it wasn't so much that they did stupid things. It's mm-hmm. just that they always did stupid things. They never made the correct decision of like, hey, what if this thing, you know, went off or... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, my God, that that loud noise when, when they shot the gun uh, in the pistol in the car before the incident that actually right. shot the friend in the stomach. They got a good taste of it. Um, you know, try and find a different way out. I mean, that was 
I could almost forget that because it was sort of desperation, but there are plenty of opportunities. There's probably 10 to 12 lame, dangerous things that mm -hmm. they do in this movie. If they had just taken one opportunity or three opportunities to make uh, a call that didn't make me think I was watching Beavis and Butthead, like an innocent version of that, where they're mm -hmm. just too dumb to know any better, uh, which I guess you could say about Beavis and Butthead, I might've been on board with it. But at that point I was like, <laughs> okay, the writers and the director are just trying to manipulate me. And I didn't mm -hmm. really appreciate it. Andrew, what do you think about that? Do you think uh, they're just trying to manipulate your emotions or? Uh, I can't really say, man, because yeah. I came at it expecting horror, you know, oh, sure. Because the director had made horror, which is, you know, you don't, ex people just, they, they make the decisions so that the plot goes and you can get scared. They're not making like <laughs> human being decisions when you watch a horror. But also, um, I think, you know, they kind of had to play it loose anyway with reality because the reality is kids get a hold of guns and shoot each other on accident. They die like yeah. a, a lot. Yeah, that's true. You, especially even in 2015, that was, that was a sensitive subject. And so... Maybe they were playing it dumb with the kids on purpose to try to lighten it because otherwise, if you took one extra beat to think about it, you're like, oh, shit, kids actually. Well, do I mean, this, it's but... a conflict, right? Because you got a yeah. horror a movie made by a guy who knows how horror movies work and he likes to make stuff like that. And so the audience mm -hmm. has to get scared, da, da da da. But also, he's closer to, he's, he's dipping out of the realm of fantasy mm -hmm. uh, in a great, in a, in a great way. But it is dealing with children. And so, um, you've, uh, I mean, you got to be careful. You got to loosen things up because, yeah, that's a real. I mean, kids do get a hold of guns and shoot each other. I mean, it just, you know, that's a that's reality, and you don't want to. People don't necessarily want to go to a movie and see it like realistic in that respect. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Ian. But, well, I mean, it's a, and that's that kind of gets back to a more complex issue, I think, of filmmaker intent and also studio intent. Um, because, Andrew, you mentioned you saw this at uh, an art house kind of a, a setting, and I think that this film definitely belongs there. I mean, the first 15 minutes of this belong to the slow cinema genre, which Mark and I discussed last week with Night of Cups. Uh, and, in fact, a lot of the movie, when I say it could have been a short film, you could trim just about an hour out of this thing and have a really effective uh, short it does meander but not in the way that slow cinema invites you to contemplate this is just watching unedited versions of people doing stuff like when kevin bacon is trying to loop the boot string around the uh the lock in the car it's fascinating stuff but i don't need to sit him and sit there and actually watch him try and do it for three minutes i could get the gist with some edits uh but going back to it, if you're making this for a wide audience, I could understand wanting to inject some uh, comedy or some kind of relief to the drama. But if you're making this for a more of an independent scene, you're ostensibly going for an audience that likes to think a little bit in their movies. And I'm mm -hmm. certainly in that camp and I'm sitting there thinking, I, you know, again, you're setting up all of these situations where you could very well go the bad route and have them make really dumb choices. Uh, or you could have something that's more realistic and say, yeah, they're going to make, they're going to screw up. If they screw up once, maybe they'll learn to not look down the barrel of the gun next time and not have on edge. Because honestly, I was on edge, but a lot of that was, you know, half of it was, I hope they're not going to blow these kids away in the middle of the movie. I don't think they will, but I also have, you know, a 10 year old boy who I'm imagining doing the same thing. Uh, and that just, you know, plays on my parental instinct. So I'm fine with being manip manipulated in movies, but there was just something so 
dishonest about it mm-hmm. in the context of what otherwise is a pretty realistic, uh, you know, portrayal of a really bad afternoon. Well, yeah, it's probably like maybe he made a short version of it and then Universal was like, oh, sweet. Let's make this an hour or a half. It feels like, like that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's throw some stuff in there. You know, this is not like David Lowry's cop car. You know? <laughs> no, it's a little bit different. <laughs> we cut to Kevin Bacon eating a pie for 15 minutes. <laughs> well, I, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. You have kids in peril. And when you have that in any cinema, uh, you've got to handle it delicately. I mean, we're all parents here and so yeah seeing the kids play with the gun on one hand i'm like i can see kids doing that on the other hand i'm like reaching through the screen going no put that down put it don't look at the end of the bear what are you looking at the end of right the- but that's what they want the audience to do right. just like you're going don't go in those woods man you know the dude's in there with that mask and that hatchet you know yeah i mean it's yeah that, that type of filmmaker um made it you know like a horror mm-hmm. fan yeah, <laughs> Astro spank them. Yeah, you know, just give a little whap on the butt. That's fine. Uh, don't don't put the gun barrel into your head. You know, uh, <laughs> which okay. You want to talk about unrealistic? I, I'm gonna go out of lib here. These kids live out in the middle of of nowhere at a very small southern town, and at their age, none of them know how to take the safety off of a gun. Uh, no offense, but I mean, you know, I. Small towns, kids are around guns all the time, and their parents usually teach them to go hunting and that, and they're at that age where kids could start to go hunting. It just surprised me that they didn't know anything about guns uh, on one hand because uh, just for the setting that it appeared that they came from, um, you know, they maybe have at least a basic understanding of them. Um, Yo, maybe this is the... the the third movie in a trilogy. The first was Footloose. We don't know what happened to him. <laughs> From Footloose, he became a corrupt cop who's running. Yeah, drugs. it's a middle movie. We just don't got it's, yet. It's he destroyed one town with dancing and destroyed another town with drugs. There you go. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I, I like this. <laughs> what would be the middle film? Ah, yeah, we got a. We don't have. I don't know if we've got a middle film. Get, get Shyamalan on it. He'll connect. There you them. go. There you go. <laughs> M Night will. He'll, he'll, he'll make anything work. He'll no, the middle. Up. The middle film is the Woodsman. <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. It's actually, yeah, I would, yeah. That's why I had to stay away from those kids. There was always glass between them. Or no. Yeah. There you go. There's the trilogy. Footloose, yeah. Woodsman, Cop Car. <laughs> Astro uh, said that he didn't know they made Footloose 2. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only instead of dancing, he's he's doing, he's doing coke. So, um, <laughs> which again... Kevin Bacon does a phenomenal performance. I love his cop in this. He's such, he throws them all in. You get that scene where he's dumping drugs and and he's dumping the drugs, but yet he manages to take time to at least take a little sample of it. And then he's on the radio and he's constantly sniffing. And I'm just like, you know, just little nuances he brings to the performance. You're just like, this is why we, we've been doing this this year with Kevin Bacon. Cause stuff like this well and and i'm glad that you brought that up because right after he sniffs those drugs and he gets on the radio he gets on the radio because he's trying to contact these kids he's got his own radio at his you know house that he can communicate with in his pickup truck and he's desperately trying to signal them he even has the rest of the cops change the main frequency they're on so he can you know get to them in this sort of private channel mm-hmm. uh 
But what I loved is not just the desperation on his face, but also you can see him working out trying to triangulate where these kids are. It's beyond a scripted moment because he's like, okay, where are you? Can you see any streets? We've kind of seen this in other movies, like kidnapping movies. Like, can you see any signs? Are there any houses, (laughs) any markers? But he's like, you get the feeling of the setting because it's all flat land and there's just fucking nothing out there. So it's like, I think there's a windmill. He's like, a windmill. I know the one windmill in this county. I can work with that. <laughs> well, he knew where his cop car was. So, I mean, I, he pieced it together. But, yeah, you're right. It's like stuck in Iowa. What do you see? Corn. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> where? where Down there, everywhere, I see corn. Nothing but corn. Falling out of my teeth, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I liked it, too, because... You know, for the most part, Andrew, would you say that even even when he shows some frustration where he throws the pot down after the, he gets the kids, we don't see him, like, explode in rage at for most of this film, do we, Andrew? Uh, you know, where he's angry and just really panic. I mean, we see him kind of panic, but he never really, like, Bruh! you know, we get that scene where he's breaking everything. He doesn't bad lieutenant ever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I, I liked that. I mean, the only expression is the part where he, he says hello to his dogs and he smashes the pot. And then he even looks at the pot like, oh, shit, I did that. Yeah, I got to clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Find never, the cop car, then a broom. Never mind. the. <laughs> oh, co- shit, my good pot. Oh, shit, my only pot. <laughs> never mind the cocaine still in the bathroom. No, no. Uh, I'm going to have to <laughs> sweep up the pot later. Um, well, you know, and his... What I also like about this character, because we don't get a big backstory or really find out what kind of person he is, it, it's it's kind of betrayed at the very end when that, you know, like I said, it turned into Joyride 4. Yeah. But up until that moment, I genuinely believed that he did just want his cop car back. Like, I don't think he was going to shoot those, like, find the kids and shoot them in the head. I think he was going to find them, like, get the fuck out of here and then just leave. Uh, even if he, you know, found out that they looked in the trunk and found out who was in there. He's very well. He could have tried to use the, you know, kind of like what Shea Wiggum as the person in the trunk who had delivered a brilliantly chilling little monologue about what he was going to do to the kid's parents. I feel like Kevin Bacon could have done that as well and just sent, you know, sent them on their way or just found out that they're runaways and be like, no, they're not going to tell on me to anybody. They're not going to go to their parents. <laughs> uh, it wasn't until the very end where I got the sense that he was actually mad enough to kill these children. Yeah. Um, and that's just because they, well, because of them, sort of, he got mortally wounded almost. <laughs> so I could see him <laughs> flying off the handle. But uh, up until then, it was, uh, yeah, it's just a really fun character beyond the mustache, <laughs> which needed its own credit for sure. Uh, and Wait, you know, I, did, you, did you read the Spawn comic books in the, in the 90s? Yeah, some of them. Yeah. Do you remember Sam and Twitch, the, the skinny detective and the fat detective? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Twitch uh, was the skinny guy with the glasses, and he had that mustache with the way that McFarlane and even later Greg Capullo drew him. It almost looked like it was floating in front of his upper lip, like it had its own <laughs> distinct character. When he turned, when he turned in profile, it would be like standing out. It was just beautiful, and that reminded me of what was going on with Kevin Bacon in this movie. A little Apropos bit. of nothing. No, that's. <laughs> And I'm glad you brought up Shea Wiggum because he is our connection to Knight of Cups. He is our 52 Degrees connection to this film uh, with Kevin Bacon and Cop Car. Uh, so I'm glad you brought him up. And yeah, this third act, you know, you did mention the tone and 
it is interesting. There is humor worked in where I was surprised, but it really doesn't come through for me until his character showed up. I'm like, he deli- he's got that wonderful monologue, but then we get this humorous part where he's trying to pick a sniper point for shooting, you know, uh, the, the, the sheriff. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of goofy. <laughs> I'm like, for an otherwise serious section you know he was just holding the gun to a kid's head and now we've got him acting kind of you know the kids even commenting how horrible he is at hiding (laughs) that you know that was that's a fun scene because i think it signifies humor because it's because he's walking around in a bathrobe with no pants and i think boots or something like that it's a funny image but that was some of the most intense stuff for the movie for me Mm -hmm. um and the kids making that comment he's really bad at hiding it's an ignorant comment because again they're out in flatland there's no place for him really (laughs) to hide so it's like all right kid here's a challenge i'll take you out of this cop car you hide from the maniac coming down the road in 10 minutes um you know with a gun you know find a vantage point um but yeah i I dug that that scene because as weird as it looks you kind of get the feeling you feel for him because like all right he doesn't know when this cop who has already beaten the crap out of him, kidnapped him, murdered his brother. Maybe it was who got down the the, the shaft. You don't know when he's coming. So you can feel he's frantic to get any kind of advantage that he can. Yeah. I Okay. Yeah. I can see that. I found it more humorous. I don't know why uh, I thought it was a little bit uh, too humorous, but maybe it was because the image of him in the bathrobe and, (laughs) and the boots, Andrew, what'd you, what'd you think about, this section where he's, you know, he just threatened the kids and then, and then he's he's trying to search for a vantage point. I liked it, man. I like that monologue a lot. I also like Cameron Mannheim, man. She's mm-hmm. that snitch, right? She's the she's the Karen of the movie. She she would have been <laughs> filming it a few years later, right? <laughs> so so uh, I really like her. Do you remember Happiness, man? That scene mm-hmm. with she had with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's it, man. That's like a classic right there. Also very uncomfortable thing. <laughs> I, my favorite part was when, uh, yeah, when she pulls up because you're like, ooh, because finally the movie's got a lot of people in a scene. That wasn't really the way the movie mm-hmm. was going before then. And you're like, <gasps> you know, and they got to make you think that the kids could be killed. I mean, they got to make you feel like they are in danger of being killed because the audience yeah. has the audience can't be like, will they die? The audience has to be like, will this movie do this? Right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the thing. You got to be afraid of like the will the movie take us there, you know, so. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a thing to play with, and definitely by him saying that creepy stuff, and then that that gory death scene she has yeah. where she's just you know Dawn of the Dead style. Blah. So the movie's got to like do things right to make you think. All right, well they'll play with me, but then they could do this because mm-hmm. they're making a violent ass movie. So you know, I just thought it was a bunch of interesting choices. And me, I don't really think too much about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just like. You know, the movie's putting me in different moods or whatever. Mm. So then something violent, like, shit, right? You know, so you want to, I don't know, that, that humor and, and that horror, that's the coin getting flipped around, you know, that whole, that whole thing. I liked it. Yeah, and you're right about the kids feeling threatened in that third act, especially when the shootout starts. Because, you know, I mean, he does the thing where uh, uh, Shea Wiggum's character, he he does the uh, the spotting where he puts the, the bottle and he, he shoots at the bottle and what i loved about that was not only does it show that he's aiming where he's got to get 
you know, the sheriff in order to shoot him. At the same time, he's showing the kids he could shoot them at any time. <laughs> you know, I mean, the kids aren't, aren't blind to that fact. But then when you get the shootout, because the sheriff shows up not with a like a 57 Magnum, he shows up with a freaking semi-automatic gun. <laughs> and they yeah. start having the shootout and the kids are caught in the middle. And I, I will say they got they got me. I'm like sitting there going, holy crap, are one of these kids going to get it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. They... That's almost like in Hong Kong. Remember how they would have that baby on hard boiled and you're like, oh, God, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> they get you like that. They know they got it, you like that. It, they do. And it's set up just enough to where you you realize it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they could go there. You're like, they're probably won't but then they do and then at the very end you know when it's when it's done the kids are still in the back of the car you're like oh wait they're in the back of a cop car they can't get out <laughs> now what you know and, and i liked that resolution i thought that was really good because i thought okay you know it, it plays out the way it does everybody's pretty much dead and the kids okay they they get away you know and they're like no they're trapped yeah. <laughs> no man i'd seen it before i knew it was gonna happen i mean i hadn't seen it since it came out but i'm sitting there going like shoot the window i'm like yelling at the tv <laughs> shoot the window and then when they do though i mean that's unexpected that ricochet or whatever they i feel like they played that really good because they do like possibly mortally wound one of them but you know it wasn't done in a cheap way right i mean it was i felt tasteful well you know i mean what what word am i trying to say you know it was mm-hmm. It wasn't like a horror movie way of doing it. It wasn't. It was just like a oh oh oh. It was a it was a know? dramatic. It was a, a a true dramatic, yeah portrayal of I mean, it. It's, it's still following movie steps or whatever yeah. Universal Picture stuff, but it worked for me. I'm you know maybe I'm just simple. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. I, Did it? Work it's t- no. It, it it's it's tough because, again, I think if they hadn't if they'd done something more with these kids mm-hmm. something a little bit more intelligence and uh, intelligent and giving us uh, more insight into who they are as people throughout the film instead of just having them do this you know wacky hijinks with the bulletproof vest and staring down the gun and the defibrillators i really would have felt something more than just the easy human emotion of my god there's a little boy in the back seat of a car bleeding out from a stomach wound mm-hmm. uh i felt that and i you know, I think it was a. I think that that end would have been much better if they had just driven away, and the the kid in the front seat was desperate to try and get to a hospital or just anywhere, and they had left off that Kevin ridiculous Kevin Bacon chase, because I mean, honestly, he was shot like it looked like he was shot pretty much in the chest, Kevin Bacon, uh, you know, with that shotgun. So even if he is crawling into the car after the kids drive off, I don't think he's doing any kind of high-speed chase. Uh, regardless of if a cow, if he runs into a cow in the middle of the road, it just becomes a cartoon. Um, but the very end of this movie, the kid's you know possibly dead in the back seat, and that's really tragic and sad, but it's the tragic and sad, and it's a universal thing and not a specific thing. I just mm-hmm. felt like, yeah, that's how this movie's going to end. Where if you contrast it with a movie like uh, The Mist, which has you know a lot of characters dying in a in a jeep uh, at the end. I think is a much better film and a better resolution because it's so dark and so sad because we've spent so much time with these characters that they feel that there is absolutely no more hope, or at least one character feels that way. Uh, 
And then there's that delicious sick ending where he gets out of the truck and he's like, if he had just been able to hold out for five more minutes. Um, Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at. I, I think in a different version of this movie, I would have appreciated the ending a lot more. And see, I laughed when he hit the cow because I'm from Wisconsin. So I thought that shit was just fucking awesome that the kid avoided the cow and he gets stopped by a cow. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And then my brain's like, did the cow survive? And I'm like, <laughs> sitting here going, you know, you could get beef off that cow. I bet you that was a beef cow. <laughs> you know? but the you, beef with bacon. <laughs> Wow. Um, now he's never, ever going to agree to come on the show. Thanks. <laughs> Have you reached out to him yet? <laughs> uh, working on it. Um, awesome. Yeah, I, I'm actually, uh, I am, sen- thank you, Astro. I am very sentimental about cows. Uh, <laughs> I felt bad for the cow when, when the sheriff hit him with the, the truck in the high-speed chase. Uh I, I honestly Oh, did. George, not the livestock. <laughs> not the livestock. <laughs> no, you're right. That The film, I think, though, would have worked better. You easily cut out the section with him getting into the truck and chasing them, which you could do with a creative edit. You could do it to where you just have the kid who this whole time has been giving ribbed for driving only 30 miles an hour by his buddy now is gunning it, trying to get his buddy to the hospital. Not sure if he's driving the right direction. Just, you know, you know that, that would make for a bit of a dramatic. And, and then at the final part, he actually talks on the, the radio, which they've been trying to avoid the whole time. Uh, but I understand, too, they, they, you're right. The, him coming from a horror angle, uh, getting chased by uh, wounded Kevin Bacon, uh, the sheriff, um, you know, it is kind of that classic trope, uh, but at the same time, you're, it, it can take a little bit of the edge away, maybe from this ending. But you know, overall, I I enjoy this film quite a bit. I think even with with those elements, um, I've been meaning to watch this for a long time, so I was happy that we could. We're not ending it, uh, but we could work it into the uh, the 52 degrees KB ladder because um, I, I enjoy it quite a bit, especially if you're looking for yet another solid Kevin Bacon performance. This one, I mean, I, I wanted to see more of his character, in all honesty. <laughs> and for me, I didn't mind the, the shoelace uh, um uh, unlocking uh, just because one, I thought that was kind of creative, uh, <laughs> you know, and it, it did build a little bit of suspense, uh, because you're, you're waiting for him to get caught. And then we know he can be recognized cause he's the town sheriff. You get that scene later on where he's kind of like, Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just loved how he reached around and managed to find some beat the shit baseball cap. <laughs> Because again, that's realistic. I could see a beat to shit baseball cap in a in a somewhat abandoned car. But uh, Andrew, your final thought with cop car? Did you have fun with this one? Yeah, man. You know, on second viewing, it really kind of it really kind of seemed to me like a movie that's for kids to watch. You know, mm-hmm. like one of them rated R movies that you you know sit there with a cable or whatever. Like you know, but very a very eighties kind of way to do it. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, to me, this was, it was very like, I, I don't think it was really meant for a grown up. you know, like I, I think it meant, I think it, uh, it was, it's, I, I like that 
there's nothing really in it bad other than language and violence. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing's mm-hmm. gonna really super disturb a kid like the Mistwood. And so I think I think yeah, right around like the 13, 14, something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe even younger now because I don't know because I'm old. But I really think <laughs> this would be more fun for like you know what I'm saying like. I don't know, a lot of those people are talking about, you know, they don't make movies like they did with the 80s. You know, they're like obsessed of the 80s, like yeah. a, some kind of titty they can't get out of their mouth. And so <laughs> this really is, to me, kind of might be for them, you know, like, the, you know, the a, a kid's, you know, a preteen kind of movie. This is this is tween for sure. Yeah, you could you yeah. could see tweens for sure. Like for people that aren't yeah. expecting to have a lot of work to do on a movie, just be mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, kind of, you know. Like it, it was great, and uh, well, that's a bad thing about seeing critic previews. You don't get to see it with the audience. I would have liked to have seen it with like a multiplex Friday night. You know what I'm saying? Audience, like kids yeah. that snuck in, kind of. You know, not <laughs> supposed to be in the R movies. That's probably where this movie's supposed to be at. Like, like, like that. That's it. Read to me that way the second time seeing it, mm-hmm. not the first, but the second. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it definitely. I could see that for for those. Uh, for those uh, teenagers, those tweens and that where uh, you, you've got the intense part at the end, but it's, it's still brief. I mean, and you get the idea across, but it's not like, and he comes back like, like Jason, you know, pops <laughs> up, oh, which, is, which is hilarious. Cause he was in Friday the 13th. So, <laughs> 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 so, so he's pulling his own Jason. Uh, he just didn't have the hockey mask. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it, man. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. It's not it, that big of a stretch. <laughs> Yeah, what about you, sir? Your final thought with uh, Cop Car? Um, you know, for as much crap as I've given this movie in the last, you know, 45 minutes, I did. I'm glad I saw it. I enjoyed a lot of it. Um, and I was just, there's like a better version of this movie in an alternate reality that I'd really like to see. I am going to disagree. I don't think uh, that this is a movie for kids only insofar as if you're talking about a modern audience, uh, kids can't get and you know, even a lot of adults nowadays, because the way we've been rewired by media and social media, there's no way that a kid is going to get through that first 15 minutes without turning it off or walking out of the theater. This Mm -hmm. is not a multiplex movie. Um, It is. And one of the things I love about it, it is very much in parts slow cinema. I don't agree with the way that they use that uh, in a lot of cases. But if this had been trimmed down to that 20 to 30 minute short film that I was discussing earlier, then I think you can hook people. Uh, but there's a lot of padding's the wrong word, but a lot of uh, wide open flat land in this uh, in this movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess uh, uh, Ian, uh, you, you stand alone. No, just kidding. Um, no, that, that, I'm, I'm, that's that's why I'm the last guy anyone asks. <laughs> no, but I appreciate I. I it makes for a wonderful discussion. You do you bring up some excellent points. For me, I, I was highly entertained going into it not knowing much of anything outside of that kevin bacon is a a bad guy sheriff is pretty much all i i knew of this you know (laughs) there's there's a poster for you i for another movie kevin bacon is bad guy sheriff (laughs) (laughs) well uh we do have a live audience uh, so i'm going to ask them out there uh, if they're still out there, if they had a question for the group for us to uh, answer. <laughs> Do we have one out there at all? Ah, and, uh, oh, <laughs> Mr. Okay, uh, way to throw me off. So uh, to find to, to wrap this up before we get to the big announcement 
that I have. I have a big announcement here uh, for the um, cannon fodder episodes we've got coming up next year. Uh, question is, what is the baddest thing you ever did as a kid? This is for, uh, you know, uh, don't worry, only like seven viewers, so we're okay. But what is the baddest thing you ever did as a kid? Ian, go. Uh, I'm going to confess this because it is technically a crime, but I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations has run out. Uh, I was running around with a group of bad kids uh, when I moved into a new subdivision when I was about 14, and we snuck out in the middle of the night, and uh, I watched as some of my new friends uh, vandalized some cars in the neighborhood with spray paint. Oh, my. Um, the next morning, I was out and about walking, and I got to uh, experience the supreme guilt and terror of seeing, actually being out for a walk at the exact moment when several of these people were coming out and seeing the damage mm. um, and just like crying and yelling. And not me, I was just, you know, kind of like, oh, keep going. Um, but yeah, that was the, uh, the beginning and my end of my life of crime. <laughs> Andrew, what about you, sir? <laughs> this is a good one, man. Okay. So I'm like 10, maybe 11 years old. My friend uh, about almost said his name. I shouldn't. All right. So my, my friend takes his grandma's Polaroid camera, right? And he's wanting to take pictures of these girls that at the, at the local pool, they undo their top and lay, you know, sure. face down. Right. He's wanting to try to snap a picture of him through the, the tennis court that's right across from it. Like so there the, the tennis court fence is here and they're laying out right here. Sure. So we can't get into the, the pool because we're not a member. So he thinks he's gonna take a picture of him through the fence, right? <laughs> and me, one of the older kids said, get a cold drink out of the vending machine because I'll let you in to buy a drink. Run up and put it on her back, and he'll take the picture of her like standing up screaming. So I fully did it, <laughs> and she fully sat up and screamed. And he took the picture, man. And I never run so fast in my life. We all, all run so far. We probably, I don't know if we left Doraville, but we left like we we really like went far. <laughs> and the whole time we're running, we're just like. Let's get somewhere where we could look at this picture, you know? Did you get nothing but fence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't no good, man. The flash, like, went off on the... You you couldn't see nothing. It was like... Mm -mm. It was like Skinamax and the, the lines. You had to kind of, like, read between them to get something to work with. Nah, you... It wasn't even a piece of titty. It was none... I almost sound like you said pizza titty, which is the well, name. It's not of any parts of breast. There you go. No. <laughs> anything. Now, now I pizza titty. You know, well, <laughs> a pizza titty ba, with bacon. Ba, 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 ba. I want a pizza titty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these things are responding. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> that's a good story, though, right? That is, I mean, that's that's a, that is a great story. That is. Yeah. That is that is so a, so a dumb. Great I didn't story. never hang out with them again. Yeah, and that's it for tonight. No, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I was I was that kid, so I I watched. <clears throat> yeah, I was the one that corrupted my friends. Let's put it that way. With certain types of cinema, uh, and uh, we'll leave it at that. But I've got a different one uh, that's that's uh, 
not as uh, incriminating. Uh, <laughs> you know, pay phones? Folks, back in the day, there were phones where you put a quarter in and you could pay. Well, wonderful thing about pay phones. When you dial a 1-800 number, you don't need to pay. So there was a commercial out there for Hooked on Phonics. And Hooked on Phonics is 1-800-ABCDEFG. So kids being bored waiting for a film to start, I walk past it, pay phone. And I'm like, huh. So I dial and I wait. And when the operator comes online, I scream as loud as I can. I can't read. Oh, man. And I, I hung up and I you, laughed my ass off. Fast. You know that that happened to all of them all the time. Though. I know. I, I, well, Cap, okay, fast forward. I'm sorry. I cut we, you we, off. We, no, we, we fast forward later. And then I. I started working at Land's End on the phones, and my first day there, <laughs> I suddenly felt very guilty about the day that I screamed into an operator's ear at Hooked on Phonics that I can't read because I was now that person. <laughs> big payback. Big, big payback indeed. Uh, so, yeah, so there you have it, folks. Cop car. Uh, Kevin, another uh, great... Kevin uh, Bacon performance, which is why we've been doing 52 Degrees KV, because I think uh, every film we've covered where he's been in has just been fun and fun to watch him and see the talent, uh, you know, strive from from the, seeing where he came from to where he was now. Uh, and there's still one more Kevin Bacon film. There is still one more Kevin Bacon film we will be covering near the end of the month because, yes, you look at the number. We do 52 degrees KB. It is only episode 47 means we got five more. We're doing an animated month in December. Yes, I have managed to work via 52 degrees KB philosophy an animated month that will bring it back to one of Kevin Bacon's very first films. I, I have done the research, folks, so I'm very excited with the way this year has gone um, to have figured that out. But how can he not want to talk to you after this, man? <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll definitely see. Uh, I I wrote up a, a letter and then I I gave it to my wife so she could make me sound human. Um, so, you know, cause she's my editor on pretty much everything, uh, because I need, I need a filter, um, <laughs> but, but now the big announcement, we had cannon fodder. It was the special that was created from an AMA we did for our seventh anniversary. Uh, thank you, Angelique bone and Daniel for the idea, because we are doing it next year. I put the votes out, the vote and polls are closed and I have the 12 canon films well 13 canon films that we will do because there's an episode zero i pull host power and we're doing the apple and yeah we're gonna do the apple that's a good one and that's actually going to be part of uh the 15 year celebration all year i'm going to do for the youtube channel something called the complete package where i give you a little insight on that i'm hoping to get an interview with a certain someone uh, I will be reviewing the vinyl album on its vinyly mind for the Apple. We will do a movie review for the Apple, and we will do a podcast spoiler room for the Apple. I'm calling it the complete package because we're going to cover all aspects. Um, but the other 12, here they are. At number 12 is Superman 4. 
<laughs> yes, it made the list. Number 11, Alien from L.A. Both of those got six votes. Number 10 was a surprise, solo on the list, Kickboxer. That one got eight votes. Another eight voter was Revenge of the Ninja at number nine. Number eight with also eight votes was Death Wish 3. Number seven is Missing in Action with eight votes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was fun to watch because it was on the low end. It moved way up. Nine votes at number six. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is going to be discussed. Number five, Delta Force. Because <laughs> we had to get at least one Chuck Norris film on this list. And, yeah, we've got three. Because we've also got, at nine votes, Missing in Action 2 at number four. Number three was Highlander with 10 votes. Number two was Life Force with 10 votes. And the number one film that had the most votes for cannon fodder was Cobra with 11 votes. It was hilarious watching people vote, and Cobra just kept coming up. I'm like, wow. So, Mark, I got to ask you, was Missing Action 4 or Missing Action, which, which, which sequel is that? That you're talking about missing in action two and then missing in action okay so because so, missing in action two if i remember is higher on the list than missing in action so will you be talking about are you going descending or ascending well no i don't know what order i'm going to actually be putting these in <laughs> this is just the order of the votes i wanted to okay present. i have i could say that that'd be kind of fun if we talked about the sequel before the, <laughs> before the first one <laughs> though well you could kind of with missing in action too because it's kind of a prequel of sorts to the first one of sorts i guess in a weird way but yeah so we got two missing in action films and delta force and yes cobra cobra was like man people were ecstatic about voting for that one uh but superman 4 it's funny it almost was going to be a three-way tie for the 12th spot but then someone voted like uh friday night and sent it in and bumped a bunch of them up so i only we got the 12 so so there you go folks those are the films we're going to be covering in canon fodder uh, i got a lot of other great stuff lined up uh, we're going to be covering the rest in between these films we're going to be covering b films like b movies a little obscure films we're definitely going to be talking buckaroo bonsai and adventures in the eighth dimension we're definitely going to be talking about um remo williams the adventure begins uh as well as a number of other films that i've been wanting to talk about for a long time and i i think we're just we're just going to talk about them so remo williams the genetic opera yeah <laughs> actually glad you mentioned genetic opera we're going to have an obscure musical month that's going to probably kick it off in january with the apple genetic opera is one of them uh, i forgot what i had for the list for the rest of them but uh january we're going to be doing weird musicals and wow. uh, that's and it'll be interesting because Genetic Opera, our our wonderful uh, crew member Dawn, the diva of the spoiler room, loves Genetic Opera. She, it's an actual opera. Nobody was really. <laughs> she she is yeah. a a huge fan of uh, Repo, the Genetic Opera. So I'm a huge fan of Dawn. So I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll have to see uh, how that plays out. But yeah, I'm going to do an obscure musical month and a lot of other things uh, planned. So thank you for listening to me ramble about what's coming up. I'm going to shut up and give the license to shill to my crew members. So Andrew, you are first, sir. The floor is yours with the license to shill. 
Hey, instead of uh, promoting my own movies like I usually do, um, I would like to uh, mention the GoFundMe that has been set up for South Carolina filmmaker Tommy Faircloth. He's he's uh, he's he's right now getting chemotherapy for diffuse. Uh, I think it's the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma yeah. that he's got right now. Tommy uh, will be familiar to people that that uh, know the show because he made um, well in the '90s he made a movie called Krillin Head. He did Generation X, and then he did roller coaster videos for a number of years, and then he came back with Dorchester's Revenge, which was then retitled to Dollface. And he, uh, his current movies are Family Possessions and A Nun's Curse. Tommy was also the founder of the Crimson Screen Film Festival in South Carolina. I mean, th- this is a great guy right here. And you know, on top of all the things that 2020 has done to everybody, including people in the entertainment business, Tommy, you know, was ever present at horror conventions and stuff. And for him to be going through this. And so the GoFundMe, really, all they're looking for is 10 grand. They're almost there. And um, you can just go GoFundMe, Tommy Faircloth, or Team Tommy. And um, you can you can kick in a little bit because, uh, you know, this is just to cover the guy, you know, guy that's got medical bills, man, stacked up, living expenses. Life has to go on, you know. So um, anyway, yeah, if anybody knows Tommy, knows his movies, or just wants to help a filmmaker out, man, that's uh, <clears throat> instead of, yeah, um, like talking about my stuff, um yeah, how about helping out Tom? Yeah, it, it's a great cause. I saw that that had happened to him. And uh, yeah, I'll put a link on the web page for this episode on our website as well. Uh, folks who uh, go to our website to listen to our podcast, it'll definitely be there. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, really, they're folks. so close, man. It would, it would not take a lot to get them Well, there. and who cares? Go over. Help, you know, you can't help enough. No, that's that's what I hope happens. Fuck, you know, hashtag fuck cancer. Um, and because I, well, I have a close friend who is going through it right now. She's yeah. So I do too. You know, it's, it's a lot closer to home. So yeah. Anything you can do to help people out. That's a great, that's a great plug there, Andrew. And, uh, Ian, how about you, sir? License to shill is yours. Yeah. Right. Like (laughs) (laughs) go to my website. Well, no, I could be like Space Boobs is coming to Tubi because it is. <laughs> so you I know. knew that I knew that how that was going to play out. So no, I, I didn't yeah. mean to put you on the spot, Ian. No, <laughs> no yeah. you know, I, I in in the spirit of solidarity, I will take a break from sh- shilling my own stuff this week and say, um, yeah, uh, Tommy Faircloth, go support him. I don't, I don't know his work. Uh, I haven't seen them. I, I recognize the Dorchester's Revenge poster on on Mark's wall there. Um, but I will definitely be uh, checking his stuff out now and and chipping in because I think that's uh, I think it's beautiful that you decided to to turn that over, um, you know, to to call this out because yeah, people need to support each other and yeah, I don't know what it is with this with this year, but yeah, fuck cancer definitely. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I agree. That's that's a, a great cause and. You know, there's some other indie filmmakers out there, especially with the COVID and such, struggling and, and running into health problems. So, I mean, anything you can do to help people out. Yeah, it was already um, too much. You know? You know. <laughs> and then, yeah. yeah, and then and then you get that. I mean, this year has been rough for a lot of people, I understand. But if you have a chance to help others who's got a worse situation, you know, that's, that's what helps make us... Uh, you know, just help your fellow human out. There's nothing wrong with it. There's only good that can come from it, and especially for something like this. Tommy Faircloth, I've talked to him online a few times. Uh, he, They just voluntarily sent me the poster when I reviewed his movie, 
you know he's a great and, guy man he's, he's always loads you up with some some horse creek production <laughs> stuff man. He, and i got a horse creek bag which i've taken to a number of festivals yeah. you know no, i so. i i read it, read an interview with him in fangoria mm-hmm. um in the 90s when he was first coming out with his first two movies and honestly man it was one of those inspired it was the notes from the underground i don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that column but it was always like the real ultra indie you know got to have a voice and that was where i knew him and when he when he brought um he came out with a short first before he did uh you know um dollface and yeah he, he brought it yeah to athens he played a film festival there and he's like man you know you were the first person to review one of my movies on imdb and i'm like <laughs> okay cool <laughs> so he's like yeah i want he contacted me to tell me about the festival i didn't even know Oh, we hung awesome. out and stuff and he yeah he's just the best mm-hmm. man he's like a real good guy well that's cool so we'll definitely put a link in the body and description of the podcast and i thank you all uh for talking cop car and yes december is animated month and how do you get to animated month with 52 degrees mark well you're gonna have to tune in next week <laughs> To find out where those of us, uh, those of you on the Twitch live, uh, we will be doing our live broadcast next month on the YouTube channel. So if you go to Special Mark Productions on YouTube and go there, that's where our live uh, streams are going to be possibly for the near future. Uh, so stay tuned and just hop on over there if you haven't subscribed yet. Uh, don't worry about that. Go help Tommy out instead. And then if you're bored, uh, visit my site. But <laughs> And Kevin Bacon, man, this is for you. Mark is modest, so he's not going to say he's a genius, but real genius doesn't have to say they are because other people will call him that. You better do the right thing get on this band show. <laughs> well, thank you for that. We'll see what happens for sure, and I will keep everyone posted. So now I think we'll just say a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on the Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.